This short code podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at MedEdMedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the short code podcast. Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews by students for students. Subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com. Welcome back to The Short Coat. From the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine, I'm Dave Etler. It's match day. It's the day we find out where graduating senior medical students will be doing their residencies. A great day, tempered by the lack of togetherness that COVID-19 has forced upon us. Nevertheless, the show must go on, so I'm in the SCP studio, sitting in a tub filled with hand sanitizer and soggy toilet paper. (laughs) Physically remote from my co-hosts who are joining me via the internet. Uh, Say hello to MD-PhD student Aline Sanduk. Hello. We've also got uh, MD-PhD student Miranda Skeen. Hello. And new co-hosts, M1's Claire Carmichael and and Ananya Munjal. Hi, from quarantine. Yeah. Um, So we're doing the show in a way that we haven't done before. We're we're sort of, you know, using the internet to do this. So whatever glitches happen, they happen. You know, we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. Um, uh, uh, It's great to see you all, though. What are you doing in quarantine this week? We're not quarantined. We're we're social distancing. Precaution. Caution. Contact precaution. Yeah. Yeah. This is a this is a real like you didn't fire me. I quit situation. <laughs> Everyone's like, no, I'm doing this voluntarily. No one's making me do this. It's like I'm in voluntary quarantine every weekend. I don't know what y'all amateurs are talking about. <laughs> I always say, yeah. that's kind my of whole life. I was directed to work from home earlier uh, this week, and the first day of that sucked. I hated it. I hated every second of it um, because I am, you know, despite the fact that I go home and don't want to talk to anybody. Um, and so that's the that's the introverted part of me. The extroverted part of me really, really missed the interaction with you all and my coworkers. And, and um, yeah, so I was sad the first day. Second day, I was I felt a little bit better. Um, and then now I'm here in the office again. So. But there's nobody here. You no, know, I have. Uh, yeah. Are you who else is there? Do, or do you have like your run of the place? Yeah, it's me. Um, whoever needed to be here for match um, stuff. Uh, Annette, Matt, a couple of deans. Um, but other than that, it's quiet. For- Aline, you especially, I mean, you, you're you in the PhD phase of your life. Um, or do you get to do any of that? <laughs> yeah, no. So, um, so I kind of saw the writing on the wall last week. And it's kind of funny. I've been like 24 to 48 hours ahead of like everyone else in my life. So like last Thursday, I took my partner to a PT appointment and I was like, hey, maybe you should wear a mask because there's a lot of elderly people in that clinic. And he was like, nah, that's ridiculous. And like just a couple of days later for his next PT appointment, he was like, should I wear a mask? Because now they're telling me to wear one and telling, you know, checking my temperature when I go in. And I was like, look, I really wish that you would have listened to me, but I do love a juicy I told you so. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice of him to provide you with that opportunity. It's very sweet. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I, I could tell that this was coming. So I and I was I wasn't feeling well, but it wasn't like catastrophic illness, but I did have like a weird headache and a cough last week. So I stopped going to work. And then like from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it was just like one email after another from the administration and policy changing. And then finally this week, I think on Wednesday, we got the email about research and ramping down. And basically like the guideline 
is if your life doesn't, if a life doesn't depend on the experiment you're going in to do, don't do it. Just suspend everything. Um, so I the remote into my lab desktop so I can still have access to my data and publications and things like that. And so I'm mainly just going to be analyzing data and reading papers and like working on a manuscript. So. Well, good for you. And and you guys, the, you. you others are uh, in the midst. I mean, you were going to be at spring break yeah. anyway. So some of you I know are out of town. Some of you are still in town. Are you uh, are you uh, finding anything to do, or do you not care? Are you Netflixing and chilling? Well, that's not that's not. It. <laughs> no disease. <laughs> literally, <laughs> literally chilling. Not any other time. Yeah. Chilling alone. Actual chilling. <laughs> Um, I was, well, I was telling Dave this, like, earlier. I'm trying to, like, remember that outside is still safe to be in. I, like, it's not that you just sit at home. So I'm trying to explore nature or what limited nature I have access to in suburban Cedar Rapids. Yeah. It's, good. it's nice. I've it's been nice. exploring my bed for, like, 12 hours a night. It's really great. Few people realize that there are four corners to every bed, and you can... Yeah. Really, yeah. Really get a good view of that. <laughs> my cat is so confused right now. Like, I basically haven't left the house for three days, and he hates me so much. He's just I like, know, please probably. leave, get the hell out. <laughs> so we we have a we have a new cat, and um, oh yeah, yeah, it's been it's been wonderful. She's very sweet, um, and she's very she's very cuddly. So that has occupied some of my. Well, she's cuddly to a point, right? Right now, right. She's getting adjust. She's still getting adjusted to the uh, to to being in our house, but she does um, insist at times on getting petted and uh, who am I to say no? Uh, exactly. What's your cat's name? Uh, the cat's name is um, Temperance Fishwick. <laughs> obviously. Wow. Naturally. That's fabulous and I love it. Uh, I think we, we she's generally really... call her Fishwick and I call her Baby Kitty. Hmm. She's going to be disappointed because she's new to your family so she thinks that this is just like what your life is like. I know. This is going to be the normal. And then when we, I know. And then when it's we really all and, yeah, and then when we all go back to work and school, she's gonna pee all over the carpet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna yeah. be great. <laughs> But I found I didn't realize. Okay, so I found out a couple few things about my cat. It was it was a feral cat. She was a feral cat. Um, she's probably was a mom at some point. She's uh, mm. I thought she was a year old, but she's probably a year and a half old. She had mastitis, and oh. um, yeah, so she's had a she's she's had an interesting an, an interesting life, and I'm I'm glad she she's she's uh, in my life. Yeah, yeah, I saw in your Facebook pictures that she had the little ear tip. That's TNR. I, I didn't like, know oh, what yeah. that meant. I thought that she had gotten into a fight or something and and lost a portion of her ear but it turns out that when you went uh, I guess when they um, uh, when they catch a feral cat and they uh, neuter the cat they clip the ear so that if they do Aww. have to release her back into the wild um, they and they catch her again they know that she's been neutered already yeah and like because my cat was the same way and I had to have the vet explain this to me because I didn't understand it and apparently sometimes like some places will tip like male cats on one ear and female cats on the other ear mm. so that's kind of interesting oh, that's just a fun fact learning all kinds of new things <laughs> learn the things kitty wise um well look as i said in a bit of normalcy the fourth years found out their matches about about an hour ago and we usually hand oh, out wow. yeah we usually hand out uh, envelopes in big ceremony but this year the uh, national residency matching program sent results directly to the students themselves they couldn't even let us mail merge the results out it was like yeah you guys are superfluous now bye-bye so one interesting note is that uh, for the first time uh, doctor of osteopathy students, DO students, were included in the match with MD students. Oh, um, wow. Or, oh, or cool. at least all of them were included. I'm not, I'm not quite clear if 
they were mm-hmm. mixing them in slowly over the last year or so or something like that. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Anyway, but I do have some stats um, and I'll try to, I, I have like a full page of stats, but I guess I should read all of them because that's horrible. <laughs> uh, but anyway, the 2020 main residency match was the largest in NRMP history to the surprise of no one. Um, 40,084 applicants submitted program choices for 37,256 positions. Um, that's the most ever offered in that. The number of available first year positions rose um, by an increase of 6.4% over the last year. So I guess that's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Yeah, boring. 61% of U.S. citizen <laughs> international medical school students and graduates who submitted program choices matched to first year position. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's good. Uh, 61% of non-U.S. citizens and IMGs did the same. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see. What else? Um, specialties that filled all available positions. Dermatology. Ooh, of course. Okay. Uh, naturally. Medicine, emergency medicine. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, neuro, neurosurgery. Uh, mm-hmm. Physical medicine and sure. rehabilitation mm-hmm. category. Oh, that's interesting. That's becoming yeah. a popular one. Yeah. Is it really? Huh. Yeah. Is it kind of like a lifestyle thing? Yeah. It's I guess like I, I never think of that as an MD version. placement thing. I think of that as a PT thing. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's like the medical version of PT, but mm-hmm. I mean, I had heard of it like in med school, but then like suddenly like I heard of it and then it was everywhere for me and I heard of all these people who were really interested in it. So mm-hmm. Integrated it plastic surgery thing. is another one that filled 100%. I don't know what integrated yep. plastic surgery is, as opposed to uh, plastic surgery that's done in a non-integrated. What? What is did anybody? Any <laughs> idea what that means? I thought. I thought you said antiquated plastic surgery. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. which is a different. That's, which is a different thing. A, antiquated plastic surgery. That's the one where they carve you a wooden nose. <laughs> <laughs> They use a uh, hedge scissors to yeah. perform the surgery. <laughs> All the tools are made out of bronze and are shaped like storks. Like. <laughs> Uh, and thoracic surgery was the final um, one hmm. that filled all hmm. the elevations. Specialties that filled I mean, those less. Are popular. Yeah. Specialties yeah. that filled less than 45% with oh, wow. USMD seniors. So I don't know why they left the DOs out of this one. Well, maybe uh-huh. maybe I'll find out. Maybe you'll tell me. Um, family medicine, mm-hmm. uh, internal medicine, pathology, pediatrics, primary, and surgery. For hmm. Hmm. Those are ones with unfilled spots. Those are ones that yeah. filled less than 45% with USMD seniors. Less than 45%. Oh. But maybe just because the need is so much, the spots are so many? I guess. I guess. I yeah, mean, it seems must like, be. It seems like, uh, you know, those are the specialties to go into if you don't want to worry about matching. Good. That, I think you literally listed every specialty I'm interested in. So that, that's, that's really good to hear. You're, yeah. you're safe. Any of you you're in- not interested in antiquated plastic Ant- surgery? Not I'm not, unfortunately. No. I prefer modern plastic surgery, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long road. There's two fellowships for that, actually. Oh, no. You have to do antiquated before you do modern. It's like a prerequisite. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested if any of you uh, were... Let me start that again. Are any of you interested in those competitive positions, though? Not, not yeah, I don't. You are. Which so. which one? I really like skin of color, and my research was in skin of color, so I really like dermatology. But it's such a. I mean, it's like everybody knows what the what that is like in the matching process, and I think it's like the number one um, 
like the least percentage of people that apply their first time into the match match in dermatology. And again, it's kind of like the opposite of um, primary care, which I'm also interested in. So that's encouraging. Um, but like the spots are just so few and it's yeah. And there's more people applying, I think, every year. So tell me about your interest yeah, in but, skin uh, of color. Yeah. So the University of Iowa actually has like a whole like clinic that's just skin of color. And um, I don't know if you've talked about Dr. Ferguson on here before, but um, she's very cool and she does um, skin of color research and she works in that clinic. And then she has a couple of cool uh, like research rotations in Africa mm. um, that she does every year. But um, yeah, uh, just like basically uh, like the history of dermatology is um, as is the history of like a lot of um, things in medicine is like predominantly like based on uh, Caucasian people and the treatment of Caucasian skin disorders. And so um, like what they're finding is not surprisingly uh, people of color have different skin than white people or people with a more like European ancestry. And so just like learning how to treat people um, of minority populations, I guess you could say, um, in ways that are targeted to them specifically, which is, I think, um, something that probably presents itself in, uh, you know, many different ways. Like we know, like rates of heart disease are different in um, people of color as compared to Caucasian people. But um, with dermatology specifically, it's like, you know, I mean, it's skin. So um, I think the differences are just more vast and the research and uh, accesses to resources is even um, there's more disparity there. I think it's really nice that you have like uh, a real and authentic reason for going into that specialty rather than just like, look, I just want to have a great life. Like yeah, you have no, I know. Yeah. a real purpose, which is cool. I didn't Thank know you. Iowa had a, a, a skin of yeah. color clinic. Yeah, it's That's it's very cool. cool. It's like it's Iowa's great. It's very unique. And for like, you know, people think of Iowa and Iowa is like a you know majority white state. So it is, yeah, it is cool that we have that here specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I posted in your chat window this uh I feel th- I don't know what to do about this uh story that I posted. Maybe wow. I'll cut off maybe I'll cut off this <laughs> About this woman who, uh, when she was a kid, she, uh, she she was bitten by a dog, and so she had a skin graft. Right? The doctor used skin from her groin for the procedure, and the new skin started growing pubic hair. So, oh, you know. That's terrible. Yeah. Don't be that person. Don't be that doctor. Don't be that doctor. A real testament to uh, the persistence of nature. <laughs> right? Yeah. I am. I'm gonna grow pubes. Yeah. Wherever you gra- like wherever that. you graft the skin on the body. You That's know, the honest, approach. I like it. You know, it's it's unique, and everyone's trying to stand out today. But I'll be honest, my daughter's statement is what you're saying. Just don't, you know, uh, you know, stay away from back hair. I guess back skin. Uh, you know, that leaves us Look, very little, like little, very little place to work well, with. I'm well, trying to think of like a place. Yeah. This look. This could be the thing she gets famous for. She could become the Instagram wow. model who, oh, you know, the artist formerly known face. as. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say is when I pulled up the picture, uh, I didn't even see the graft. I was like, wow, this woman is beautiful. And then I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what's that on her face? Oh, whatever. I thought it was a birthmark. It looks a lot like a birthmark. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. She is and really pretty. Maybe, you are right. I mean, she's she's gorgeous. Like, I, yeah. you know what? She's so beautiful. I didn't even notice the pubes. But you Wow. Well, I'm, I'm assuming that she shaves them is the thing, which that sucks to be a woman and have to shave your upper cheek as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that would probably be the most annoying part. I agree. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah. Yeah. That is an inconvenience. You know, she could wax it. What do you, what do you call a Brazilian you get on your face? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's above the equator. So I think it's no longer a Brazilian. I don't know. I don't know. Wait, is it's that why they call it a Brazilian? It's a Canadian. Canadian. 
not mocking this woman we are no trying no. to find ways yeah. to comfort her in this set are we, are we doing that yeah. are we are we are we victorious in our in our uh, <laughs> search for comfort uh, in comforting i don't know because it, it says that um i'm very comforted uh-huh. in this article she does say that um like she's she's dealt with the pubic hair hair face situation which is what they call it in the article the pubic mm-hmm. hair face um but now that she has a daughter she's become self-conscious about it she's six months and i'm worried about the kids she'll go to school with i don't want her to be teased so it's she's almost less worried about herself yeah. and more just thinking that like her kids are gonna yeah, kids, get made oh, fun of kids suck that's sweet kids suck kids, oh, kids, kids are, are terrible like adults worst. are mature but yeah. kids oh. suck. Mm-hmm. well yeah. i say that me thinking i said above the equator three seconds ago uh, i don't know adults, <laughs> are adults mature i don't know i don't know you gotta like have landmark terminology somewhere okay yeah it's true. Pizzamenti is Those are scientific right terms. Pizzamenti yeah. is very Pizzamenti yeah. is proud of all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, kids are the worst. I feel like adult society has more or less progressed to a place of being like, whoa, that's pretty cool. Like, you stand out in an interesting way. But children <laughs> would still be like, I'm ill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your mom yeah. has pubic face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ki- you know, let me be honest. Uh, I was talking to a friend the other day about, like, whether or not we would... Uh, go back to high school, even in our current form. And I was like, no, no, absolutely not. Oh no, never. High high school, still better than middle school, but still no. There's something about teenagers who just like, they zip into like the very thing that you hate about yourself and have the superpower. Actually, John Mulaney has a great bit about it and uh, talking about like, they just have, I don't know, this like telekinetic ability to figure out the thing you are the most self-conscious about and then relentlessly mock you for it and no matter Mm -hmm. how much personal growth you've made in your life it still turns you into a small child to be made fun of by that thing yeah yeah and it's it's almost worse than middle school because at least in middle school they're not good at the actual mocking part yet so it's like everything they say is kind of lame and it's like oh you're a kid like you don't know what you're talking (laughs) but high schoolers it's like when they say it they mean it (laughs) so it's even worse because they're good at being subtle now some people try okay there were were two things i was mocked for uh in middle school one was uh uh, my my burgeoning uh, acne problem, and the second was um, my last name Etler. Uh, people tried to make uh, Hitler stick as a nickname. Oh, like, like wow! Hit- I, don't, I don't mean Hit- to laugh, but it's just like Hitler. <laughs> Were you all mocked in middle school? I was homeschooled, so I mocked myself. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that sets you up for success in the real world, you know? Yeah. Well, oh, that's true. Yeah, I got all the yeah. self-loathing. Like, I got that down to a science early on. Nice. No. <laughs> you know what? I, my first thought when you said that was like, you have to be noticed to be mocked. And I blended real well into the walls. Aww. So. Aww. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, no, it's good. I'm glad to have escaped the mocking. But yeah. like Miranda, I had plenty of self-loathing to go around. So <laughs> honestly, I think I really just embraced it. I was looking back yeah. at like, especially at pictures, I was 
was a weird looking middle schooler. <laughs> like I rocked like the, the long black basketball shorts with like the hot pink hoodie, like zip up yeah. the front hoodie from yes. like, American Eagle or whatever I thought was really cool at the time. Yeah, that and I, cool I also me. went through a phase of bangs. I tried out bangs in middle yeah. school and yeah. um, none of my classmates were really mean enough to tell me that they looked bad, which I oh. maybe kind of wish they would have now because there's too many pictures of me with bangs. Oh. Um, yeah, so maybe I, I should have been mocked in middle school. <laughs> I don't know. The long yeah. basketball shorts makes me think that maybe you were kind of like the jock girl that everyone was like, didn't want to just like they thought you were going to be mean to them if they <laughs> yeah. approached you. Like I have a mental yeah. image of that person like from my high school and I'm like, I was scared of that person. So <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I think you have to be good at sports, though, to do that. And also no, you just have to have me. the air. That's <laughs> oh, really funny. You mocked Ananya. I know. I'm thinking. I, well, I'm thinking that like every. I love attention, and so I feel like every time I got <laughs> mocked, I was like pleased about it. And I, I think that's like where I think it's why I became funny is because like when you know like when somebody makes fun of you, you're like this is an opportunity for you to notice me even longer. And so it's kind of like what Miranda was saying. Like if you become like self-deprecating in a way, yeah. Mm. I don't know. Genius. I think like looking back, all like it's it, maybe this like says more about me than uh, whatever. Um, but I'm just like thinking that every time. Like all I can remember is like all the like moments of attention I got. So I think it impacted me in an inverse way, maybe. No, I like that. It's like like judo where you're redirecting your enemy's energy. It's like you take the mockery and it's like, well, I'll do one better. I'm even worse. Look at this. And then then it's like, I'm funny. Yeah. And now I have an undying need for everyone to notice me all the time. Yes. Very healthy. Very very normal. Yeah. You know, that is the best revenge to be like, yes, I am the worst. Thank you for noticing. And your bully's like, uh, you kind of missed the point. And you're like, thank yeah. you again for that. I appreciate that. Yeah. And while you're here, I've been working on this bit. What do you think? What do you think? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's actually a whole subreddit dedicated to embarrassing childhood pictures called our blunder years. Uh, yeah. And Miranda, oh, you that. are beaming. I'm so Miranda's excited. Like, Teach me, teach me. It's amazing. It's incredible. I mean, it's just, it's people posting their own pictures of like embarrassing childhood and teenage looks that they thought were so cool at the time. And then they look back and they're like, like the Liberty, you know, spikes and the goth makeup. And, you know, here's what I realized about my childhood. I didn't have bullies because my parents were pretty good at it, actually. Yeah. No, I feel that. My parents are Olympic level trash talkers, actually. (laughs) Like, <laughs> super nice, super nice. But, like, there's there's a reason that I don't have blunder year, like, strength pictures. Because, like, my parents never let me leave the house wearing whatever was trendy. Because when yeah. I was in school, I remember when I was in sixth grade, uh, fatigues were really popular. Like, like camo pants. Oh, and I remember yeah. I bought... Do you guys remember that? Yeah. And I bought my first pair and I was just like going to leave the house. My mom was like, get here now. What are those? (laughs) And my mom, when she would command you not to wear a thing and you still wore it, she would then find them and then cut them up with scissors. So there was no going back. Oh, wow. Wow. My mom, if you ever met her, she is the sweetest lady on earth, but (laughs) extremely formal and like didn't very controlling about what we wore. But here, Here's the thing. And now there, there is no, you know, very incriminating evidence of bad fashion choices on my part. So that's a good thing. I think that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that is a good thing. Oh, yeah. man. Sorry. There's a couple of really good emo pictures on the subreddit. Thank you for this. This is the rest of my quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> so 
sorry. There's, there's someone in here that's like taped a cross of black electrical tape over their mouth and, and like has, has literally <laughs> like the black and white stocking gloves. Oh, it's that young goth phase. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah the My Chemical Romance phase. Yeah. The like hardcore MCR phase. It's great. Oh, it's a man. lot. I need, I need to check this it's out. It's so much. Funny. It's great. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's go through some news items. Oh, right, the show. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's go. I'm like snapping back out of my flashbacks. Ah, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> we'll post links for these at theshortcode.com. Um, Italy poster child for what happens when you respond late to the epidemic with out of control infections and countrywide lockdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, with respirator yep. parts in short supply, there uh, one 3D printing company responded by making replacement ventilator valves that are in short supply. The company uh, Isinova redesigned the part for printing and delivered a printer to Chiari Hospital for printing within six hours. They were able to produce parts using a process that extrudes melted plastic layer by layer until the part is done. Um, Then another company joined the effort. They used a laser-based powder fusion process. So far, 10 lives have been saved, according to Italian newspaper La Stampa. Um, However, the manufacturer of the original part, when contacted for blueprints, declined and then threatened to sue for patent infringement. So, yeah. Uh, Unfortunate. You know, this is, this is, this is part of what I'm seeing. Uh, the, the effort by this 3D printing company uh, is part of what I'm seeing. Um, there's a there's a Facebook group um, right now that's talking all about 3D printing um, and open source design for mm-hmm. uh, medical supplies, things like face shields and respirator masks and and uh, things like that. Some of them, some of them are super stupid, um, <laughs> but others are are you know pretty seem pretty good. Yeah, the inventiveness I mean, I, of people during these chaotic times is impressive. Sorry, yeah. Mary, you were going to say something. No, it's okay. Um, but I just to jump on that, I one of the things that's been really nice to see, and this is a good example of it, is how like upfront people are trying to actually help out however they can. Like I remember seeing emails that people were like, we've had a lot of students ask us ways we can volunteer, and they'll give us mm-hmm. lists of ways we can volunteer. And I'm like, I just like the fact that people's first instinct when a crisis starts happening is that they're like, how can I help? Tell me how I can help you. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's kind of too bad that um, students had to be sent home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I understand why we do a very good job of getting in the way, but I think it, well, I think they were. I think they were primarily, from what I've heard, I think they were primi- primarily concerned about epidemi- epidemiology more than you know y'all getting in the way. Um, yeah, but it's like yeah, we're not useful say, enough to keep us there. Well, I think we're not. That's a. I guess that's not, a fair point. Well, what I was going to say is, um, from what I've been reading, uh, the highest risk group for infection is actually healthcare workers now. Yeah. Yeah. So the I think wave, if, if yeah. they're going to yeah. So if they're going to put your, our lives on the line, we should be worth it. And it's yeah. maybe our, our as much as we know, I think our skill our skill level doesn't warrant the the risk that we'd be taking mm-hmm. by being in the clinic, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Yeah. Or the but, use you know, of the mask or, you know, all those like shortages. So. Mm-hmm. You know, I was going to say I'm surprised uh, fourth years aren't being recruited as yeah. much because they're they're practically rising interns. Like they actually know like third and fourth years actually know how to do stuff practically, but maybe it's a legal liability. I was going to say, it could also be a legal thing, too, because, like... Who underwrites COVID? (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, because also like medical students are not employees. Like we're still paying tuition and stuff. So it's it might be a legal thing of just like it's not really ethical for our, the hospital to put us in danger because we're paying them. So it's like we don't really work in the same way like an employee does. Mm. So, I mean, we're willing to help. I'm not saying that that's an mm, obstacle yeah. where we don't want to come in, but it's like it's a situation for them where we're kind of the last like we'll use you if we need you, but we'd prefer to keep you out of the situation because, you know, you're not actually our employees. Right. And I'm sure yeah. like the last thing that they would want is, you know, for us to get sick, you know, people who are just trying to volunteer their time or be helpful, um, you know, then us getting sick and then needing to be in the hospital or needing to take up a bed or, you know, if something were mm-hmm. um, to develop, become a lot worse. Um, obviously yeah. that would, that's like not the intended outcome. I can't stop touching my face. I, it's <laughs> so bad. My mom told me to wear gloves and that's weirder because you're still touching your face just with gloves on. So I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm trying to sit on my hands. I don't know. If anyone has tips, please send them to the Short Code Podcast. I would love a tip on how not to touch my face. Yeah, I was going to say, I think touching my face is just like a big part of my identity because I just go like this a yeah. lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me like, too. Is, I was this is, yeah, it's, yeah, it's your look. It's part of your look. Yeah. I hate this. Um, on our last show, um, we batted around some ideas on how COVID-19 could change the world. Perhaps for the better. Oh, mm-hmm. Less pollution, more flexibility working from home, things like that. Mm. going to be honest with you, I'm feeling a little less like that's an appropriate impulse today uh, <laughs> yeah. after a week. Um, mm-hmm. The reading this New York Times article, which predicts that we will go through another three or four rounds of social distancing. Yeah. Um, that flatten the curve graph we've been seeing uh, is misleading long term, yeah. according to the author. Mm. Um, it suggests that once yeah. we've come out on the other side of the curve, when transmission has dropped to some acceptable level, will be done. But um, if past epidemics are a guide, we'll likely see subsequent waves of infections requiring more rounds of social distancing. Hooray! Mm. Yay! Yeah, um, there's. Uh, they're talking about like you can flatten the curve, but then if we all stop too quickly, then there could be a resurgence and another yeah. resurgence. And yeah, it's yeah. a bad. They were talking about the catch. Like if you're, it's a catch twenty two because if you're inside, you're not becoming immune. So like the minute that you do go outside, you'll get it. And mm. yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I've heard that uh, being infected once doesn't pr- doesn't uh, prevent you from reinfection. The antibodies are not oh, long lasting, apparently. Yeah. Really? So did you did you yeah, guys uh, have a chance to catch um, the uh, grand rounds from yesterday? Um, no, no, I haven't. Really interesting. Part go of it, I didn't finish it, but go and check it out. Really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, look at um, what we've learned um, so far. And yeah, yeah one of the things they yeah. mentioned was that um, the antibodies um, that you do acquire from being infected with with uh, uh, coronavirus SARS-2 doesn't um, doesn't last. They don't last. Um, they're, they're basically not yeah. detectable after, you know, a few months. So hmm. we have a resident coronavirus expert on campus, actually, Stan Perlman. Wow. So, wow. Oh, he actually it's came. Not, I'm in um, a global health seminar um, that meets like every Thursday over lunch. And um, he, I believe he and um, who was the other person that was giving the grand rounds yesterday? Salinas? Um, Jorge Salinas? Yes, exactly. Yeah. So they actually came and spoke um, to our like global health um, seminar group. I think it was, I mean, right when everything had just started being publicized. Um, so I don't remember how many weeks ago that was, but a while ago. Um, and they came and talked to us. And that was, I mean, obviously we didn't know a lot about what was going on at the time. Um, you know, really what to expect, how big this was going to be. And so we were just kind of getting a lot of background information on 
um, you know, the, the coronavirus family in general and kind of what had been seen with like MERS and SARS um, and kind of predicting maybe a little bit, you know, what might happen or like what the university's response, you know, would be and how um, uh, Jorge Salinas was, you know, he's part of the team like working on that at the university. Um, and so now it's kind of strange thinking back, you know, when all of that was just very novel um, and we really didn't know much about what the impacts would be or if it would ever would come to Iowa City. And I remember thinking, oh, well, it's, you know, it's interesting to think about, you know, the University of Iowa's like UIHC's response um, mm -hmm. because it obviously seemed very distant. But I think in um, today's society, I know things don't always stay, you know, distant and in different countries for very long just because, you know, how, how mobile of a society we are. You, you mentioned it's uh, all changing so fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, your the global health seminar. Is that because you're planning on going somewhere in the future for, through the global health program? Um, so I considered it, but I ended up actually not doing, um, not deciding to do a global um, health project this summer or anything. But I do know that some of my uh, peers who are in that class with me and do have projects planned the, for the summer um, are kind of just touch and go yeah, right now, waiting to see yeah. what happens, you know, if they can do anything or if they can get projects kind of turned around so they could do it like within Iowa City, mm -hmm. you know, or do something, some kind of alternative. Yeah. Um, right. Because I think a lot of countries, it's looking less likely. Um, right. But I don't know like the specifics, obviously, of everyone's programs. I just know it's becoming, yeah. um, I think, more and more difficult mm -hmm. to do something like that this summer, right. which really stinks. Because that's the double bummer. Like you are like not only do you not get to do your trip that you obviously had planned for the summer, but then like what do you do with your you know 12 weeks? You still want to have something meaningful. That's good that they're like working with them though. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's another idea that we might have to give up on, which is um, that the summer months will drop. Will will bring a drop in transmission of uh, coronavirus, like it does with influenza and common common cold. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't know where that idea came from. I, wasn't that kind of disproven a little bit? Yeah. I don't know. I, I know so, that some viruses are just seasonal like that, but yeah. I mean, I think the I problem think is that because this is a novel coronavirus, um, we have no information to suggest that it'll be seasonal. Plus, yeah. I think I've read that a lot of the seasonal effects are due to like many people catching it and then and then acquiring some sort of immunity. But if the effects, if the immunity doesn't last for COVID-19, then there's no reason to sort of think it'll. Sure. It'll yeah. Do the same. yeah. And it's like, but it's I've possible heard. that that seasonality would be overridden by the fact that it's now become so pervasive that it's like it has a reservoir now. So it can kind of keep coming back and circling. Hooray. Mm -hmm. Yay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So no one, I don't think the like mechanism behind uh, the seasonal patterns of flu infection have been like properly elucidated, but it has something to do with humidity. The increase in humidity decreases transmission for some reason. Hmm. And so I, I, I thought I heard that that wasn't necessarily proven, but maybe I just heard wrong. I think there's a lot that we still don't know about yeah. why. Yeah, for flu, for flu. And I think maybe people were drawing from that to say that, well, coronavirus is also a respiratory virus, so maybe it'll be subject to the same pattern. Mm. But sure. Mm. Is it true? Who knows? Well, sure. I mean, one thing we could try, um, all, you know, we could try drinking cow urine. <laughs> Why don't you I mean, try? No one... Let us know how it goes. I mean, look, <laughs> we'll be over here. Look, in, in... this is one of the benefits of social isolation. Is Dave's not going to put something in front of us? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Check your mailboxes, everyone. <laughs> Everyone go outside, check your mailboxes. This opportunity. Special delivery. 
<laughs> yeah, in India, there's a long tradition of using cow urine and dung to treat medical conditions. Um, mm, opponents include one member of parliament who's promoting the idea for treating the current pandemic. She says, uh, quote, cow dung has many benefits. It can, I think it can kill the coronavirus. Cow urine can also be useful. That's fun. It's showing up in, uh, I mean, cow dung is also uh, in some alcohol-free hand sanitizers in that country, including mm. one brand called Cowpathy. Uh, it's currently out of mm. stock, if you're interested. Um, a <laughs> Hindu nationalist well. group hold it, held a cow urine drinking contest in Delhi to promote the practice. And while I don't know who won, it seems like everyone lost. Oh, wow. I'm not here to make fun of traditional medicine. After all, uh, uh, modern medicine isn't doing all that great either on this. Um, but this isn't Ayurvedic medicine. No, I no, think. it's not. Is it? I don't even, I'm no. not even sure yeah, what no, Ayurvedic medicine is. Ayurveda actually yeah. works. Like yeah. it's been proven. Yeah. You know, those principles are like founded in historical, yeah. traditional methods right, that actually right. work. What, do you, do you have right, a but, definition of Ayurvedic medicine? I don't really know what it is. Yes, please. I feel as the spokesperson of India. Oh, um, right. <laughs> no, I, I, don't, I, I, I should, right? I should have a definition. No, I don't have a definition, but it's kind of like what Lena was saying. It's like, it's rooted in principle. It goes back, like, you know, however many years. Um, I will say there's like, a like um, so I've like shouted a couple of physicians in India and there's a lot of like, um, re- like different villages will have their own like practices that are often like not rooted in, I mean, not rooted in science. And um, there's a lot of like correlative, like uh, sociological data that people follow. So like with this like cow urine, for example, it's like, uh, like suppose it's like a rich family um, drank the cow urine and they're like, oh, like they drank the cow urine. So they're like healthier, not considering that like this rich family might like live on a hill or like have clean water or X, Y, and Z. Um, And so I think it's like pretty common for there to be like weird, fad, crazed things that are um, very separate from Ayurvedic medicine. Um, Because I think Ayurveda is based in like, uh, like plants and like more natural remedies. So there's like different plants that have different properties that are, that is like, you know, actually rooted in some kind of, you know, mechanistic uh, basis of like disease that works and, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah. But this, like, I think this happens like relatively often. And I don't know how, like, this seems to get pretty big with, like, a cow urine drinking contest. But I think it's, like, pretty often, like, when I was shouting a physician, like, people would come in and, like, be trying these strange, you know, no, I shouldn't say strange, these uh, unique practices that, you know, we in, like, the Western world would be like, what do you, you know, why do you think this works? So, like, what are you doing? Uh, but, yeah. You know, I was going to say, like, every, I agree with everything that you're saying. And to add to it, I, I don't think, um, I don't think mysticism is specific to, like, any country or region. Like, yeah. we do a lot of weird things here, too that, you know, I, know. Well, I, don't, yeah. I shouldn't apply a value judgment, maybe not weird, but like, I think everyone is afraid of death and getting sick. <laughs> and, you know, as repugnant as I'm sure it is to them to drink urine, maybe that's a more palatable thing than dying. So give me yeah. some, I do get it. But. Yeah. Uh, just from my Western perspective, though, give me some herbal tea and some ground up spider powder or something. And I'll, I'll try that first before I jump, <laughs> before work. I jump right to that. urine. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. fault you for that. Yeah. Let me sleep in. Let me get 10 hours of sleep. Yeah. That should be plenty. Fluids. Mm-hmm. Rest, rest in, in fluids. Rest in fluids. You know, here's the thing, though, about urine. If if that's true, then why do people get UTIs? I don't get it. Like, I understand, you know, I've heard people make the argument that, like, urine has ammonia in it, so it's technically antibacterial, but, like, not mm-hmm. truly, right? Yeah. That's right. fair. Healthy. Mm-hmm. I think healthy people's urine is... is uh, what do they call it? Antiseptic, right? Well, not antiseptic. That's not the right word. But it. Well, no, you're right. Because perfectly healthy people get like E. coli UTIs. So. 
And then like, yeah, do, do not test me on UTIs. I just got off my step studying and I'm like, oh, let me tell you about urease producing bacteria. <laughs> you know what? Actually, maybe maybe UTIs are more a function of anatomy now that I'm thinking about it. Like maybe urine does have the power to kill bacteria, but it's just because like women are disproportionately more susceptible to UTIs right. than men yeah. because of the structure of the urethra. Yeah. I think, well, it, I think, yeah. I think it is anatomical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I but think you know it's what. Part- it's also that, and also like most of the bacteria that cause UTIs have like the pili that can attach to the wall. So it's like, it can kind of hide a little bit or they have, you know, mechanisms that they evade. Ooh, Miranda, that's, that's step knowledge. <laughs> do not we test like me, it. do not test like me. <laughs> I have stared into the mouth of the cave and emerged victorious. <laughs> Don't even talk to me about your bacteria. <laughs> this is how I want yeah, to so, feel after taking step one. I know. <laughs> It's a mix between that and then just please leave me alone and let me watch all my Netflix that I didn't get to watch for the past two and a half months. Yeah. Well, you may get your chance if you live in in Illinois. Apparently, uh, uh, Illinois Governor just uh, Governor J.B. Pritzker just announced a shelter in place order uh, for the entire state starting Saturday. So like California's basically. Yeah. Yeah. Shelter in place. Uh, I mean, California is significant. That's 40 million people. It's a crazy. Yeah. Have you guys seen the pictures of like the satellite pictures of like the roads like everything's empty it's wild yeah except for uh except for miami beach idiots (laughs) the spring breakers Dude, I got a party. I know it's like, yeah. of course, this had to happen over spring break. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, I was saying I heard that vodka is a cure, so maybe instead of cow urine next time. Oh, so that's what it is. That's the Western version of cow in urine. Our, in our mailboxes, yeah. A lot of people are saying they're millennials, but millennials are actually taking this pretty seriously demographically. Yeah. I think those are Gen Zers yeah. that are yeah. spring breaking. Uh, yeah. So. Mm. You, You're you, quick to separate yourself. You I millennials. Like it. I like it. <laughs> You millennials, you millennials don't get to spring break anymore. <laughs> I know, like, millennials have flaws, but we're doing our best, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Millennials you know, there's this flawless. interesting phenomenon I've noticed online of, like, uh, like a role reversal between children and parents. And, like, yeah. even I have experienced this, like, getting my family on board with the isolation. I'm like, <laughs> my mom told me she was going to get a haircut on, and this was last Friday, so, like, it hadn't fully hit here yet, I think, how important it was. But right. I was like, like a little bit ahead of the curve. So I was like, mom, can't you just, you know, skip the haircut? And she was like, I, you know, she's starting, she was supposed to start a new job this week. So she really had her heart set on it. And I was like, you know what? If you get your haircut, I will a hundred percent do shrooms and I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if that's a deal you can abide by, fine with me. And she was like, Okay, I won't. All right, fine. I'm home. Is that what you want? I'm home. I'm staying home. Awesome. Aline, you devious little. <laughs> yeah. That's a I was kind of hoping she'd say okay, and I could try shrooms guilt free. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am like concerned that this is your idea of like, like you're like yeah, it's like reverse parenting. Like Davis, this is what you tell your kids that like clean your room or I'm gonna do drugs. <laughs> Yeah. Are your parents hearing, Dave? Uh, my parents are uh, currently. I just got a text message from my mom saying that they extended their vacation in North Carolina until April 10th. Um, oh. I, I, I don't know why, um, unless they just don't want to go back to Massachusetts. Um, I mean, it's possible they're just hunkering down where they are. They're not hunkering mm-hmm. down. My mother butt dialed <laughs> me last night on um, Facebook Messenger. Uh. 
and uh, you know, I, I picked up, and there, and and the sounds of multiple people laughing come through first, and then I realized that she's sitting at a table with friends and my father, and they're just like having a grand old time there, and I'm like, what? What is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You're supposed to be- and then the other day she- she, uh, she video chatted with me, um, from the beach, and, you know, she had friends and all over, and they're- they're just partying it up down- they're- they're like... Gen Zers partying on the beach. <laughs> there's- there's an image I wanted. No, no, no. Yeah. No, no, naughty, no, 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 naughty. no. So, laughter, I know, like, laughter. I haven't heard laughter in months. Yeah. I cannot relate yeah. to this. Like my mom, my mom and my dad have the souls of millennials. They've been hunkering down for the past two weeks. Yeah. Like they were on top yeah. of this. Mm -hmm. yeah. My parents like that too. Yeah. It it still feels pretty far away and abstract for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to justify such life altering. Yeah, measures and lifestyle changes in the absence of like a clear and present danger. But it's a clear and present danger mm -hmm. that we have already seen because we're, you know, we're right next to the hospital. We're friends and associated with people mm -hmm. who are on the front lines. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I don't know who said this, but it's my favorite saying you can pay now or you can pay later, but it's almost certainly cheaper to pay now. So mm -hmm. the more we put off social distancing, the longer we're going to have to do it. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah. I'll tell I you what, well, the, the motivation that's worked for me is, is, is looking at the, the uh, Johns Hopkins COVID-19 map. And there's another, there's another map um, uh, that was on MedPage today of just the U.S. cases. Duh! I'm staying home. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a scary map with like the red dots getting bigger yeah. and smaller. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it literally and looks appearing. like pandemic. It yeah. literally looks yeah. like the game pandemic. It's very exciting yeah. to me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not exciting. It's bad, but it's also it's a little exciting. Exciting and not a great way. <laughs> yeah. There was like a couple articles written, like sociologically, about why like Italy was. I mean, um, like actual population statistics aside, like why it was such a good petri dish, and it's petri dish for the spread. And it was like the culture of Italians is very, you know, like they live in big families and they, um, you know, like they like greet each other, like they kiss each other on the cheek. And yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, like the culture should, like the culture of an area can like really dictate the spread. No, you know what I just thought of um, when you brought that up? The demonization of Asian culture, but an absent and equal demonization of European culture, I think is is very significant here. Yeah, there's been a lot of racism lobbed at Asian yeah. people, really in a completely irrational and unfounded way about yeah. you know Chinese wet markets, quote unquote, versus wildlife markets, mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. and and a, an objective observation that like regulations aren't always very clear or enforced. But there's not an equal and uh, equitably applied level of racism against Europeans for like kissing each other constantly and yeah. hugging on each other yeah. and like having multiple generations of families living under one roof, which Again, I'm not implying that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that, like, hey, if we're going to be a racist, let's be equal opportunity racist. <laughs> equal opportunity racist. I like it. Yeah, like, I saw something yeah. that was, like, you know, when people were avoiding Chinese food a while back, it's like, no one seems to be avoiding pizza now. So, yeah. like, mm -hmm. yeah. checkmate. Yeah. I mean, no one Society. calls the 
Yeah. I, I was actually talking to someone about this recently. Like, we don't call the measles virus the American virus, even though we predominantly helped, you know, foment the resurgence or Europeans also. We don't mm-hmm. call it the European virus. We call it the measles virus because that's what it's called. Right. So, right. you know, it's... I understand where the mentality is coming from, but it's not rooted in science or it's really racially driven and that's really not okay. And also it's even from a cold and calculating standpoint, it's not helping anyone. From an entertainment standpoint, Foment the Resurgence would make a really good emo band name. (laughs) (laughs) Noted. Step one, learn an instrument. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Step yeah. two, get friends and start a band. There you go. Over Zoom. Over Zoom. Yeah, right. over Zoom. <laughs> a band and everyone on stage is six feet away. <laughs> Have you guys heard that uh, that choir? That This is a piece of good news, actually. There's like a choir and they like... Um, we're practicing for like some show and they couldn't do it. So they sang um, somewhere over the rainbow mm-hmm. over Zoom and it's online and it's so beautiful. You know, here's a here's a question I want everybody to consider um, between now and then. In the midst of this crisis, are are you feeling called to action to help? Um, and have you sought out opportunities to be part of the solution? I've been feeling personally a little. Um, confused about whether I should help or not, whether I would be doing um, more harm than than good helping, or whether I would be putting others in harm's way by by helping or something. I'm, I'm very confused about the whole thing. Um, but um, I'd like to hear from people about how they feel about this um, over the coming week. And um, let us know if you found interesting ways to help out and to be part of the the um the support system for the people around you i think that would be an interesting conversation to have Hmm. um i know for instance next door is a social networking app for neighborhoods and i am seeing quite a few offers to help neighbors with things like shopping and errands Mm -hmm. um but uh and and, you know certainly we discussed before you know the other efforts that people are making to, to sort of be of assistance um so you know send us send us some information um about what you've been doing or thinking about and we'll talk about it on the show quick question yes uh something i've seen that could be really interesting is uh people making food at home uh to avoid going to the grocery store i i started making my own bread and it's not half bad it's it's okay you, you know what and it's I- a, it, it's at the very least something to do in the evening. i've i've been cooking mm-hmm. more i hate cooking yeah but yeah you know, yeah i saw another uh great internet thing where someone was like half of us are going to come out of this as amazing chefs and the other half are going to come out as alcoholics there is no in between <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna aim for both i'm gonna I'm, yeah. why limit yourself during this yeah. isolation period yeah, yeah. push yourself challenge yourself well that is our show uh aline miranda ananya claire thank you for being my co-host today and taking part in this internet experiment thanks for having us yeah, you're thank welcome you. thank you <laughs> And of course, thank you, Sorry, Shortcoats. I didn't want my audio to glitch out again. That's all right. And of course, thank you, Shortcoats, for making this part of your week. If you're new here and you like what you heard today, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else fine podcasts are available. Yeah, rem- do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I remind you that your questions are vital to the show because they mean the show can be what you want it to be about. So send your questions and comments 
to the shortcoats at gmail.com. You can leave us a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. While your podcast app is open, give us some more stars and a review to let us know if we're doing the right thing. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine Student Government and ongoing support from the Writing in Humanities program. Our opening music is by Dr. Vox and our closing music is by Catmosphere. Talk to you in one week. Hey. Good job. Good job, everybody. <sighs> Ah. Do I stop my recording now? Oh, yeah. Okay.